Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike, also on the line. We have another Oscar race checkpoint for you, chock full of industry news and reviews. Neither one of us have slept much, Mike. Mm-hmm. This pod could go either way. <laughs> uh, we've been we've been talking in the pre-show, and it's pretty. It's been pretty giggly. It's been pretty yeah. ludicrous. Yeah. Uh, we're not drinking yet on a Saturday recording yet, <laughs> yet, John McClane voice. Uh, but I did just come from a bar, you know, where I'm eating lunch. All right, I had one beer. I had a stout. You ever get a stout that's just like way too stouty? It's nutty. Like I don't, I don't need like a Mars bar in my beer. Anyway, <laughs> beers um, have left me at the like the, when you all got into your IPAs, I got off the train. It's just like. <laughs> Like hair and just barley, drinking and, motor oil at that point. It's disgusting. It was not good. It was not good. But I, just a few people at this bar, which is a great lunch spot, right? And then seventy-five. I kid you not. Seventy-five bikers rolled up, <laughs> and it was absurd. Like the sound was deafening. I couldn't hear myself speak, and I was. It was. I was in a precarious situation because I was like, shh. I'm trying to use the phone. That might be the best impression you've ever done on the show. <laughs> and then I had to, <laughs> then I had to dance on the bar to Tequila by the Champs, and naturally, short story longer. I, you know, I mean, th- this episode might indeed be a shit show. Yeah, uh, and I realized when I was writing my copy last night, uh, I've had a miserable 24 hours, but. Mm-hmm. Everything I wrote is negative and like just like <laughs> bitterly, bitterly negative too. It's just all hyperbolic like opinions. <laughs> so you guys might be in for one today. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll shelve this episode and never release this it. Is, but uh, this is par for the course, though. I mean, yeah, there's there's like there's a few parades that I like to start, and you're mm-hmm. just they're pooping over it in the docks every yeah. single time. You I poop my on ass parade. out. Yeah, yeah. my ass every hanging parade. out the third story window. <laughs> Pooping directly onto the floats as they pass by. Yes. Let's start. Speaking of a parade, Netflix, (laughs) uh, some industry news. Netflix, uh, they gained some subs. The great Netflix regression maybe is in the past now. Yeah. Why is this news? Well, I guess it stops the plummeting of the stocks. Stock rose like 8% on Friday or something like that when I saw. Which is just ludicrous to me. I'm going to say that word uh, 15 times in this episode because mm-hmm. it, it applies, number one. I also I'll like sing the singer. a ludicrous song every time you say it. Yeah. Please. Uh, right. But this is promising for Netflix and for the Wall Street because Netflix has not enacted their sharing crack, you know, their crackdowns yet, their password crackdowns, or their ad programs. They haven't done this whole knives out two thing yet. For whatever, whatever they're trying to do, I'm going to ask you the same questions again in this episode. I don't know what they're trying to do with that, but it's it's this weird situation here where they had this slight amount of growth, and it's really just a hundred thousand subscribers in in the U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. All these subs are coming from elsewhere, but now Wall Street's like, oh, good, subs went up. Bye, 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 lunatics. Uh, the stock rose sharply uh, this week over the five-day span. So it, it has, I mean, the, the tastemakers on Wall Street are positive on Netflix again, and they do have a bunch of initiatives coming that I guess people are high on, that seven ninety nine ad tier that we all that do this got emails about mm-hmm. uh they just rolled out and announced that you can transfer your profile from a account to account if you want to yeah if you suffer a breakup or leave a house or something no like that. they're basically saying hey get your own account <laughs> that's what that is <laughs> right right it's a well, nice well, they, way they of saying frame it they yeah. frame it well enough i guess mm-hmm. but um it's not it's 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 not like a boon for netflix right now but they had stranger things come out they have a hit in Dahmer. i mean it, i just finished stranger things that finale was great okay i'm glad some, somebody liked it <laughs> but but isn't streaming like isn't the best streaming company just a glorified pyramid scheme in terms of customer acquisition like at some point you're going to hit as many customers as you can get aren't you i don't know i think I think cord cutters are continually going over. I think, 
I think they are becoming essential to to viewers around the world. But why are they doing that? Is it all movies? Is it all TV? I mean, for us, it's both. But I, I do think they're becoming such a brand that uh, that everybody has to have them at some point, or everybody has to know somebody who has them and therefore yeah. share their password. So that's the thing. Like, will this password sharing crackdown work? Will this ad tier work? Will all their $20 subs go to the $8 subs and then they lose money? What the hell's going to happen? We don't know, but Wall Street seems to be happy with it. So I guess we just keep going down this path. <laughs> it seems that way i mean as long as they're making money and got the revenue coming in they can keep building on that debt sheet on the other side and churning out product i, I still think especially with stranger things wrapping up they're gonna need a a ted lasso they need some kind of you know the crown season piece. five did you see that uh trailer yeah 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 that 100 percent accurate <laughs> historically yeah ingenious trailer all right we'll get to that but okay we have cinema owners blindsided quote-unquote blindsided by 10 sarandos's comments downplaying netflix's theatrical ambitions now i'm wondering why they're blindsided necessarily because this has been netflix's mo forever you and i have talked about it till we're blue in the face yes we know that promises were made but can you make me understand why these these cinema owners are all of a sudden shocked that a, a streaming company that's grown into the streaming company it is because they put their streaming content on their streaming service <laughs> will well, will now not just you know go into an entire another dedicate all of their product to a new revenue stream first? I don't know that the promises were as explicit as they seem to be this time around because mm-hmm. it's I mean. Okay, the word from the Hollywood Reporter, a couple other places I read, is that the the head of Netflix uh, film went to AMC, Regal, and and Cinemark. Mm-hmm. Why can't I find this guy's name? What I wrote, Stuber is his last name. But anyway, the head of Netflix film went to those went to the biggest you know players, the theatrical players in the globe, and said, "Well, we're going to do this glass onion thing, and it might be a, a, a harbinger of things to come. We're going to test this to see if." Maybe we can give you more Netflix exclusives to open in theaters and get right. your money with. And, like, if they did that explicitly with that said, and then Ted Sarandos is out there saying, you know, LOL, JK, we're not really going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I can understand there being the theaters being upset because while we've said that this Glass Onion play is a really minimal drop in the bucket to Netflix, regardless of how well it does revenue wise. Sure. It could mean a substantial, like, giant wave in the ocean for theatric, at least. Like, they could, especially in recovering from COVID, they could really need this type of money coming in with a Netflix play, especially if you're going to promise them future Netflix titles. So I could see them, if they have an explicit promise from the head of Netflix cinema, and then you have the, the head honcho at Netflix saying, no, that's not happening. Yeah, I could see they're getting getting upset about that. Or it could also be a case of, you know, it seems like Netflix's brain doesn't, one arm doesn't know what the other hand is doing, which I... I don't buy, but I mean, that's that's how it comes off. You, you could see someone coming off like that. I think the old boss is basically empowered or, reju- you know, his old thoughts are rejuvenated in the sense that he's doubling down on the longstanding uh, MO of the company of putting the streaming content on streaming first and foremost and as a priority. And maybe he's he, maybe he got pressured into doing this with Glass Onion to try and test the waters now. The fact that he's emboldened by the stock increase and the Wall Street stabilization maybe is why he comes out and says, look, I mean, this is this is a one off or this. We were going to do this until our stock rebounded. And now we don't need you. (laughs) Yeah, they don't need they don't need theatrical to make the money. I think it was all perception for Wall Street. Like I said two weeks ago, even though I babbled and bumbled. But I I will say this. Andrew made a couple of really good points. Number one, they're kind of expanding what they've always done. I mean, the 600 theater count is is much bigger than they've ever released anything at, I think. I think the the Irishman was like 200-something theaters. I'll never understand how my theater got to be one of those 200. (laughs) Anyway, I don't think they've gone 600 theaters at this level before. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I'm usually wrong. But I think... (laughs) I think the one week thing is something like Andrew said, that's, that's typical. They've done that a a lot, especially for Oscar qualifying. And it's also, it's also something that Andrew said was like a marketing 
like a marketing tool where essentially, especially during Thanksgiving holiday that, that you and I both mentioned, this is what they're trying to get on the Thanksgiving table, you know, conversation list for, for cinephiles. But this in particular could become more of a marketing ploy where they don't have to put ads on, you know, popular sports, uh, and popular, uh, reality show television. But do you think they're actually going to stop that? Like, regardless of how well this does, Netflix isn't going to not advertise on, like, Thanksgiving week on the Fox NFL game. Yeah, but they can now just put the movie out and let it let it create word of mouth and make money off of that instead of spending more money on, uh, you know, on marketing particular properties I, yeah, I on it. NFL I, I, games. I don't, this make, it still makes no sense to me. I don't understand the, the especially if they're going to play footsie with the theater owners like they are with this. I don't understand the point of it. Yeah, I don't get it either. Uh, unless, like I, unless I've been right all along, which I'm gonna go with. That's what I'm gonna go with. It was just a <laughs> perceptional ploy to get Wall Street to move on the stock price. It could be. I mean, I guess anything could be possible. I, I, I I'm having a hard time finding the forest for the trees with this move with Netflix. But Lord knows, Ted Sarandos uh, is a wiser man with these types of machinations than I certainly. So. Uh, We'll see how this one plays out for them. Are you? Do you have plans to see Glass Onion in theaters? Absolutely. I, I'm probably not going on opening night, but uh, I'll probably go that Friday, not not Thursday. Black Friday is when I'll probably go. I'll buy a TV. <laughs> there you go. Good job, <laughs> Mike. Netflix also added a disclaimer to the Crown season five's trailer. Something British royals, royalist societies have been lobbying for in some way or shape or form for over two years. But it's newsworthy for this particular show, Mike, Mike, and Oscar, because a certain dame, Judy Dench, spoke up yesterday, and then a certain thing was done. And they, they immediately did it because she's like, hell no, I'm done with this dramatization stuff. I want a disclaimer. And it happened. Quote, inspired by real events, this fictional dramatization tells the story of Queen Elizabeth II and the political and personal events that shaped her reign, unquote. What are we doing? Like, okay. I don't know. Should every movie have, like, I honestly, genuinely sometimes feel like I'm the only person anymore who leaves a biopic on TV or film Mm -hmm. and, like, says to myself, gee, what a wonderful piece of art. I wonder what actually happened. Like, no shit, it's an artistic rendering of facts, mm-hmm. but also there are just so many viewers who take these things as news and gospel, and I get why. I'm not even saying it's a bad thing. Like There have been instances where people take this so seriously that it's the, the issue and allegations have been reintroduced into the public conversation, and it's like resulted in long overdue justice in some instances, and that's a good thing. I'm not saying yeah. it's a bad thing that this happens, but like it, it, it's art, people. It, it's it's all art. No matter if you're watching something on a screen, a good rule of thumb, anything on a screen, <laughs> even the news, you're getting a slanted version of it. You're getting somebody's interpretation of it at some point. But if the Matrix is real, <laughs> what if we're all living in a simulation? Yeah, you know, you're right. I, I, I just don't like I don't I don't get it. Like Gary Oldman didn't really he wasn't around in World War Two. We all know that, right? He wasn't wearing a fat suit in those conversations that actually happened. He didn't actually influence the Nazis. I don't know about that one. No, it, <laughs> Remy Malik didn't play Live Aid 85. His teeth weren't that big. <laughs> I agree. Uh, now I get it. I get where you're going with this. I was just, pa- I was just uh, pandering to you for that whole time, but now I'm with you. <laughs> Mike. We told you. Uh, it's all negative. It's all just visceral negativity for me. <laughs> we took it from Netflix. We'll go to WB, which, of course, is a, a beacon of <laughs> prosperity and hope. <laughs> WB shuts down Stage 13, their writing program that has launched careers of minority screenwriters and certainly discovered a lot of promising talent and have done it after years of... Uh, you know, people being boxed out of the business and they shut it down. WP shut it down and then immediately reversed their decision amidst an outcry uh, and brought it back. You want to hear some more depressing news about Wall Street? WB stock has risen pretty consistently as well. Mm-hmm. So take all this for what it's worth. But, you know, and then I saw another headline that said they're they're claiming they're still weighing the merits of cutting it anyway, this program. Look, I, 
After Don't the stock cut. rises, again, these old right. white guys yeah, yeah, are emboldened. That's, that's all Got they the care about. That's all they care about. Ted Sarandos, it ticks up 8%. Yeah. Theater owners can kiss my You're probably ass. Right. You're yep. probably right. We don't need to make moves until we need to make moves. Until exactly. it impacts our wallet, yeah. So, I did read a handful of viral tweets from graduates of this program at WB, and to a person, they exclaimed their dismay with the program being cut. It seems to do some real good. And in general, I'm all for corporately curated pipelines to help young professionals hone their talents and network at the same time. So this seems like a good thing. But right. yeah, it's just a bad look and a series of bad looks for WB under Zaslav's reign to, you know, say you're cutting this program as a cost cutting measure and then doing a complete 180 on it. Yeah, you're going to get the good PR and the good publicity from saving it, but you only saved it because you made the mistake of cutting it in the first place and you had to react to angry Twitter. Counterpoint, though. Yeah, they are selling Lord of the Rings NFTs just in time for NFTs to completely leave the public conversation. So, <laughs> so whatever they might have lost elsewhere, they can recoup with Lord of the Rings NFTs. These are big deals. I, I mean, Tarantino just settled uh, a big uh, court case about regarding an NFT having to do with Pulp Fiction. So I don't even know if anyone actually still buys NFTs. I'm sure they, they do, and I'm getting laughed at by people who are in, like, the Internet 3 uh, who are experts <laughs> in that, but uh, you know, I, NFTs seem like something that was a big pandemic hit, and then everybody just kind of got sick of them all at once and laughed them away. Do you think, like, someone's out there just buying all the NFTs and they're yes. going to rule the world someday. Absolutely. They're like Scientology. No, there's no doubt in my mind. They're Scientologists just buying all the real estate and the Catholic yeah. Church just buying all the real estate. And I mean, everybody who's rich and wealthy says that they're the future, right? Blockchain is the future. And I can't like, okay, is that true? Or are they saying that because they want that to be because they own so many of them already, they want to be the first influencers to have them and sustain their wealth? I don't understand how NFT... I, I'm, I'm such a simple... I'm a plebeian when it comes to this stuff. Mm -hmm. I do not understand NFTs at all. Yeah, me neither. So we probably shouldn't go down that rabbit hole. But I was uh, I was encouraged because I know that will save the company. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> you should buy a Lord of the Rings NFT, Mike. You should, if anyone should own how much is a Lord cost? of the Rings NFT? Is it it's over ten dollars? Over twelve dollars? <laughs> I'll give you thirteen dollars. It's fourteen dollars and one dance of tequila on a bar filled with final bikers. offer, <laughs> Michael. At least the direction of the DCEU is in good. Oh wait, no, that said he left the company. Uh, Walter Hamada, previous head of DC <laughs> Films, has left the studio. His payout has been finalized, but don't worry, Matt Reeves <laughs> is working on an extended Batman universe. There's a secret James James Gunn movie, and the Rock, the Rock wants a Black Adam sequel that we're about to talk about, uh, but that the internet is spoiled. But no, we're not allowed to. Are we allowed to talk about it? I think we are. I mean, everybody else has. Why shouldn't we? But, yeah, right. well, I guess we'll do our best to keep it under wraps. Um, look, this is the as most positive as I'm going to get this episode. <laughs> I really don't want to turn an ORC, an Oscar race checkpoint news show, into a recurring Mike one asking WTF is Zaslav thinking. But he's a um, – what's the word? When you uh, – a liar is what – he's a liar, <laughs> right? Like – I like I've said like 37 times in this episode. That's, That's the, ludicrous of you no, to do that. <laughs> that was good. That was good. I like that. Um, I'm not sure I understand the incentive behind telling investors we're going to be Marvel. We're going to do the MCU route mm -hmm. and then give Matt Reeves carte blanche for this world. Extend the DCEU with Black Adam and likely or definite sequel offerings, and then give Todd Phillips whatever it is Todd Phillips is doing. And then, at the other hand, say, we're looking for our Kevin Feige. No wonder you haven't found anyone to take this job that Hamada left behind, because he not only turned it into a profitable entity by spinning off all, not having this one continuous DCEU, which Zaslav seems to want to return to, under the guidance of a single person, but anyone taking those meetings to head DC right now for WB must be getting all kinds of mixed messages from their own teams, from people in these interviews, from people within WB right now. There's no end in sight for these different worlds coming together or converging to make this 10-year plan that we talked about from the WB conference call a couple months ago come to fruition. I, there's no roadmap for this. 
the, here's the good thing for them. I'll spin this in a positive direction. They sure. are building on hits. Like Joker was a smash. But that's hit. what Walter Hamada was doing, isn't it? Yes, he was building the hits. You're not wrong. I mean, Wonder Woman was a hit, and this the sequel came out during pandemic times, so who knows? But we thought it did good for H- HBO Max, and yeah, they made they made her whole, Patty Jenkins, and yes. they took James Wan's Aquaman and gave him another one, and now they're giving Matt Reeves an, another Batman, and they're they're building on all their successful films. And they I'm, did it with I'm not saying it's a bad idea, and financially, it's a it's a wise idea. But again, don't tell your investors. Mm-hmm. something else it does it, i don't <laughs> understand the disc don't do something right don't say one thing and do the opposite which is now the second story in a row we're commenting on wb having done that well i do think that black adam 2 godzilla versus kong has a chance <laughs> to be something because black adam 1 was pretty good so you ready for my review of black adam 1 digitally give everyone in that movie a fake mustache. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, directed by Wame uh, Colette Sarah. I cannot speak French. I apologize. Of The Shallows, House of Wax. Of course, Black Adam was famously written by The Rock in between sets. And uh, listed, <laughs> produ- listed producers on the project include the cast of the original Predator. You know, all those guys. <laughs> Roman handshakes. 1990s Hans and Franz from SNL. <laughs> I like this. Yeah, good. And 20 guys from Gold's Gym. Just 20 <laughs> random guys in Venice The bikers Beach. at the bar that you were just at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they all came together and wrote this beautiful story about a father and son. No, uh, it is wholly unacceptable to me that this entire ensemble cast of Black Black Adam wasn't wrestlers. Like, the WWE's entire roster should have played every single solitary character in Black Adam (laughs) the same way middle-aged white guys, only white guys, performed Shakespeare in the Middle Ages. This is bullshit. (laughs) This is such... A missed opportunity. This should have been... Or just give The Rock, like, ten rolls. Like Arnold in The Sixth Day. Like It they, should have just been Arnold giving birth to The Rock. That's what <laughs> Black Adam should have been. Just the passing of the torch. Look, I say this with love because... For a Meatheads movie, this is a fun Meathead movie. And I just love watching The Rock be Superman and demolish everyone. I mean, <laughs> there are so many cool action movie visual effects and sequences where they like do the speed up slow motion thing with just gorgeous like animated effects that reminded me of the Snyder Verks. And it's like this herky jerky Man of Steel fight choreography that just played really well in my AMC theater, Mike. It was a, a really rowdy crowd. They loved it. I mean, Good. it's Superman porn. It's God hero porn. It's it's just the rock being unstoppable from start to finish. And yes, that's a spoiler, but it's also what was promised in the marketing. So no, it's not a spoiler. So I don't feel oh, bad. Oh, the rock doesn't die in a movie he stars in? That's shocking. I don't feel bad about <laughs> saying that he knows he's unstoppable. That's how the film uh-huh. starts. But eventually, he should use his unstoppableness to help heroes stop a bad guy who needs to be stopped by someone who's unstoppable. Because we know that the only way to stop someone who's unstoppable is with someone who's unstoppable. And by stop, I mean kill. To be a super man in order to stop Black Adam, it sounds like. (laughs) Let's all go to the gym. (laughs) Look, this is perfectly passable as a superhero movie. I was, like, annoyed by 10 things, and it's mostly because, like, they put the fate of the universe into the hands of 13-year-old boys on several occasions throughout history in the uh, DCEU, and that's always a bad idea because 13-year-old boys have shit for brains. Their hormones are going wild. They're idiots. I know because I work with them. It's absurd. Uh So, yeah, that's really dumb. But it, it, otherwise, like, they did a nice job, I thought, of working the flashbacks throughout the story. They didn't just dump them all in one place. So that was cool. And then, yeah, maybe other than giving away a huge third act plot twist in the trailers, every single trailer of the film, <laughs> it's The Rock being unstoppable for two hours. He's unstoppable, Mike. It's fun. I, for the Oscars lens, this is one I had my eye on just for VFX. Do those hold up? Are there anything there to them? They're very good. They're very good. I, I think this is a very good year, however, and I think we're about to get the Avatars and the Black Panthers, and and, and, and it's going to box out uh, mm-hmm. Black Adam. But right now, it's my fifth, and that's probably where it'll land. It'll probably land in my top ten, but 
No, it's not gonna. It's not gonna get into the Oscar. It, it might get shortlisted, but it's probably not gonna get into the Oscars five. It's close, but no cigar. Do we have anything we want to tease further about this? I mean, it, it needs to be said how ridiculous the post-credit spoiler has been handled by film Twitter. If nothing else, I, I cannot believe the cavalier attitude with which people have not cared about spoiling the, the post-credit spoiler in Black Adam on film Twitter. Film Twitter. Is- if it's the MCU, everyone's, everyone takes a blood oath to not say anything. Right. And then this this was spoiled four days before the premiere date. Before the premiere date. You're yes. right. It's absurd. I mean, it's like almost everybody in my theater. Yeah, they clapped, but it was like a golf clap. They knew it was coming. <laughs> and, and if what I read further is true, and I have no reason to doubt it, the fact that what happened isn't already contractually obli- contractually signed to lead somewhere again, makes me wonder what WB is doing. Because apparently it's not. There's nothing, no pen has been put to paper about a sequel being put in stone. They're probably waiting for the box office of this one, see if, what it does internationally. I don't know what the budget is on it, but it's projected to make 60 to $64 million domestically. Earlier in the week, it was projected to make 135 for its first weekend worldwide box office cum. That's not great, but it's solid, like the Batman, to put that in perspective, did 134. But we've seen, you know, the DC properties start small and really cascade into huge box office hits. Aquaman only did 67 when it started, but it played throughout the holidays, did really well. Shazam, 56 million to an opening, and it, it played for a long time, did really well. So Black Adam could certainly build... Uh, with good word of mouth. I mean, we've had a lot of rock properties like Hobbs and Shaw open at around 60 million, Jumanji the Next Level around 59 million, and Jumanji the Next Level, talk about an international supernova yeah. that made around almost close to a billion or 700, I forget, what I, I didn't look it up. But I think one, Jum- did, one did 700, one did over a billion. I think that's right, but I could be totally wrong too. Yeah, so they started out small and they well, really. Well, it's, it's the strength of money. The Rock. I, it's mm-hmm. amazing. Black Adam is not a known entity. He's not a known superhero like Batman is or Joker or any of the, you know, as far as DC superhero goes, he's way down the list. He's not a superman, you know? Uh, can I uh, beat that into. <laughs> do, you, do you get it? Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know where so, you're going with this, but go ahead. <laughs> so. This is kind of just the strength of The Rock being a superhero, which I think is kind of, I mean, as far as him being the most protected brand in Hollywood, that sustains. He can bring in, just by him starring, playing an unknown character, an unknown IP, except a diehard comic fans, and bring in a $60 million. Now, look, 60 to $64 million opening domestically is below by quite a bit what the initial domestic box office projection was, because last week it was projected to be around 75, I read. Right. So, yeah, that's a step down like you were hinting at. But for a, an unknown DC property, just having The Rock and Pierce, you know, old man Pierce Brosnan with that gray hair and beautiful gray beard he was rocking in the trailers, I think this is a pretty good return for DC. We'll see. We'll see where, where it winds up. It, it, they're probably hoping it cascades like other rock properties and like other DC hits. And it's got a chance. It's got a chance. The, I wonder if it's just a meathead movie. That's the only Could problem. Be. You know, so if it's only a guy movie, that's 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 an issue. But And maybe DC is behind, is all supportive of having this post-credit thing be spoiled. And they, that's the draw to get people in the theaters, too. I would not be surprised if that's the case. Uh, mm. I almost wish the movie that we reviewed last week had something similar to get more people in the in their seats. But last weekend's box office to to play catch up here, Halloween ends really underperformed, forty point five million. Uh, Smile continues to do well. That's up to one fifty. It's going to cross one fifty uh, this weekend. Lyle, Lyle, mm. Woman King, Amsterdam kind of fill out the rest of the top five. But Halloween ends, Michael, 67 on the rake so far through Friday. It'll probably, you know, be through, you know, 90 million maybe after this Second weekend. week in a row, we're dealing with a, a property that falls well short of its initial domestic box office projections. I just talked about Black Adam, 75. It debuts around 60 to 64. Halloween, its projection was around 50. It debuts 20% short of that, about a $40 million domestic box office opening. It's the lowest for the trilogy of Halloween films starting in 2018. 
It falls about 10 million short of what Halloween Kills opening did, which is notable because both Kills and Ends had the same day and date simultaneous streaming theatrical release. So you can't even really blame anything but negative word of mouth, I guess. I, I nothing agree. can kill Michael Myers except for the bad word of mouth from critics, right? I agree. I think this is a word of mouth issue because I think fans would have gone to the theater day to date just to see a great movie at yeah. at the theaters. And yeah, some of them would have stayed home regardless. And maybe more of them this time would have stayed home regardless. But it would have done much better uh, if the word of mouth was better. But, but I'm sure a lot of people just said, ah, I'll just watch it with ads on my peacock my free peacock or whatever is these got they got to come up with different names for these uh streaming services peacock <laughs> anyway great, great great year for horror so far that's going to be something we uh, underscore oh, yeah. and highlight in the scaries by the way but i mean just in the top 10 right now halloween and smile don't worry darling if you want to call that a horror movie barbarian terrifier 2 is in the top 10 that's a fan funded project and yeah. now has four million dollars domestically is behind that one if i'm not that's off the top of my head don't quote me but i think they're the ones that are uh Leading the charge on that. Eric Weber said it was the goriest movie ever. I'm almost curious to see it, but I... Did I, you watch I, the first Terrifying? No, no, of course not. Why it's, would I? It's great. It's so good. <laughs> I don't believe you. It is hard. I mean, it's like you would be... You might throw up. <laughs> Ew. Why, why do I get it? But it's so good. I just sent you the doc for the scaries. I yeah. don't know if you looked at it. I have. I've been working my way through and I re- I don't know if it, so if it was an accident or not, but there's like a list of movies I refuse to watch, and you've already watched two of them, so it doesn't sound like an accident. Was Was Speak No Evil on that list? Yes, I refuse to watch it because I hear Mike. It's that's disgusting. the best horror movie I've seen in years. Oh my god, damn it! Why? It's the, it's, it's it is so because it's just it's just depraved. I, I mean, it's not it's re- not it's not a a, a parade of awfulness it is such a slow burn it is not going to torture you for an hour and a half but you will be disconcerted you can it just it creeps under your skin and then when when what finally happens happens i it it sticks with you i am terrified because i read the content advisory yeah and i said no nope yeah jordan peele title very good i Uh, i was i was debating whether or not to recommend it to you I don't know how you how you would stomach it. Well, now it's not gross. It's not gross. There's one scene that's tough to swallow for someone who has the issues with body horror that you do. I just, uh, I'm gonna have to watch it. I, the Shutter. I mean, these Shutter movies are awesome because that's what They're I've been so catching good. up on. I mean, I've watched 40 movies from this year right now, and we're gonna we're gonna really go hog at the yeah. scaries. It's gonna be it's gonna be a up. great uh, episode all this week. Let's do it. All right. Well, seamless transition back into the Critics' <laughs> Critics' Choice Documentary Award nominations, Michael. Andrew and I talked about this from a Netflix perspective when we reviewed Descendant on the last episode. But there's there's a couple of things that I want to fill in because I wanted to ask you, number one, about what you thought of the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards immediately snubbing yeah. the frontrunner and all the beauty in the bloodshed. And I call it a frontrunner because it's the New York Film Festival centerpiece. And the Venice Golden Lion winner. It was the frontrunner and yet snubbed into only, what, two noms, director and political doc here? Is this funny to you? How, on a level of really <laughs> funny to just slight chuckle. Well, this is the earliest that this category has been thrown into such disarray because usually at this point, yeah. it's just a parade for the front runner, right? Usually, usually, but they've come to a consensus much earlier. But let, let's be, let's be honest. Usually, the documentary front runner doesn't win Venice. So That's true. It was That's true. Vetoed earlier because there was an opportunity to veto it earlier. You really should be a documentary film branch. Documentary Feature Academy member, because you're a contrarian like this sometimes. Just and, embrace chaos. <laughs> yeah. you're one. Of, you, these are your people. You should be, have a better read on them. We should go with True. your gut, and we should find a place to bet on this. I, I don't know what to make. I mean, it, it is wild, the, I guess, lack of respect that, that all the beauty and the bloodshed has gotten at, at this point. You would think that with such an e- early opportunity for the precursors to kind of fall in line, on such an easy pick because it's so rare does a documentary actually win the golden lion 
And there's just, they're, they're not right away. The first chance they get to discredit, I mean, not discredit it. Obviously, <laughs> it's still nominated in a couple of categories. It's still in the running for awards here, but like, it's not the powerhouse that you would expect the Golden Lion winner to be. Not at all. The the powerhouses this year seem to be Fire of Love, seven nominations. Good Night Oppie coming to Amazon, six nominations. Moonage Daydream did very well with five. I was a big fan of that one. Navalny with five. So those are two of my favorites. Uh, Fire of Love, I wasn't the, a huge fan of. It was, I don't know. Uh, I'll get I'll get to that. I'll probably have to see it again. Good Night Oppie, I hear, is awesome. Scott Feinberg favorite. Got to watch The Automat with four nominations. The James is on HBO Max. I haven't watched that. Aftershock is on Hulu. Gabby Giffords won't back down. Two noms. Uh, otherwise, Sydney Descendant reviewed both of those. So that's your ten in the category. Now and it's worth mentioning again. This is Critics' Choice, though, right? Critics' Choice. So, so maybe not a lot of crossover with the documentary branch of the Academy. You're right. So we're we're talking about this in the wrong context. However, we have documentary film feature whatever voters vetoing a favorite immediately, which is still funny, right? Yeah. It's got to be funny. Yeah, and and, and the Critics' Choice usually they, they like do. going their own path, but they like they like getting the big things right with the Academy. They have a better crossover than you'd think. Nineteen out of the last thirty documentary feature Oscar noms have first been nominated at the Critics Critics' Choice Documentary Awards, and that's almost a two-thirds crossover so that's a decent crossover so they've picked oj made in america and summer of soul uh as winners you know they've only gotten two out of the last five correct but still i mean that's a pretty decent crossover and yet now they snub all the beauty in the bloodshed senior was also a notable snub that that andrew and i talked about and it's one of those things man it's it's gonna be a wild category this year if there's a bunch of contenders we saw that in 2020 remember the year of netflix in 2020 they had crip camp dick johnson my octopus teacher eventually yeah. took it they had six nominations from netflix in the critics choice documentary awards i wish i mentioned that with andrew as as a you know a reason to why we should not be happy that only descendant is nominated even though descendant seems like a very strong contender in the category because of higher ground productions and the obamas etc because of the strength of the film but still i netflix is used to having many more contenders uh but i think uh i think documentary feature could be nuts let's go yeah we took a year off from the mayhem last year with everybody (laughs) just wanting to love quest love until the mayhem that surrounded documentary feature last year happened in the presentation of the award on the oscar stage not necessarily with the uh, winner itself uh, between what happened with the slap, obviously, during that category. But, uh, yeah, we're right back to absolute chaos and mayhem with the category itself, it seems. Can't wait. All right, let's talk about some awards. We've got some actual awards here. And I wish I was able to go back and, like, go over all the great trailers of the year in our brains and what we would have picked, but I don't yeah. have the recall on trailers like that. So let's just, like, kind of rip them off here because the Golden Trailer Awards happened and Top Gun Maverick took Best Summer Movie, Coda won one best trailer music. King Richard, which we remember being a great trailer, won best drama movie. So as far as best trailer music and best drama movie trailer, Wakanda Forever sweeps those two categories next year, right? Yeah, so we got to do a better job of recall. And next year, we got to come up with some receipts yeah. in this regard. Agree but with that. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On won best family animation movie trailer. Of course. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent won best comedy movie trailer. That surprises me. It was pretty funny, though, right? You wanted to see the movie after yeah, that. Yeah, got... it, it was appealing to me. But the next movie you have is The Adam Project, one best fantasy adventure trailer. I thought The Adam Project's trailer was funnier than The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent trailer. Mm, interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's your way of saying you don't agree. How about, well, I mean, let's see if we agree on this next next one. Petit Maman won best <laughs> international trailer, best, but they call it best foreign trailer. I'm trying not to say these words anymore. Bardo should win that next year. <laughs> nope, won best horror. The Guilty, which you remember, you remember touting that. I remember I you like touting that. Movie, that. Yeah, oh, the I like that movie a lot. The uh, the English ad- the American adaptation, I should say, Jake Gyllenhaal from Netflix. Best thriller trailer, most original trailer went to Everything Everywhere All at Once, so that makes some sense. And so I would love to know where mm-hmm. the cutoff is if Everything Everywhere All at Once and uh, uh, Coda and King Richard are included in this. What's the what's the runtime? The the consideration time. Do, do we categories. really want to go down this rabbit hole? Do we, uh, Probably not. I no, refuse to do it now on the <laughs> podcast, but. 
you mean you're posing these questions like they're serious yeah. questions and yeah. you're just giving me more research and you, mm-hmm. you do this anyway you're welcome the tragedy of Macbeth won best teaser, and it was for the Something Wicked This Way Comes trailer. So that well, we remember that being good, right? So maybe that's what the Wakanda Forever will be considered, since that's online as a teaser itself. The No Woman No Cry, Kendrick Lamar remix one. Okay, yeah. All right. Anyway, Matrix Resurrections won best movie post- poster, and that's the I only. I tried award. finding which poster this was in reference to. Is it in the green and black one where everyone's featured, or is it the white backdrop one with just the red and blue pill? I couldn't find which one it is. If it's the red and blue pill one, I I can I'll totally understand it. Really? I think I, I don't know. Simple is better for me. Oh, you you are you like a modern art guy? Do you like modern art? Yeah, that's me. Modern art. <laughs> That's why it makes no sense that you said you like the red pill and blue pill. You didn't like that. You thought the it's I thought fine. it was just too busy. I, I, it I was like everything that features it. a lot of movie characters to me is just a ripoff of Star Wars. Right. They all are the same. Somebody somebody said something on Twitter. Somebody. I'm I'm turning it to Trump. A lot of people say <laughs> on Twitter that people have to change the movie posters because all the movie posters are the same. People tell me, yeah, I agree with that. Trump, sure, don't don't tuck that, cut that out. <laughs> but no, I'm gonna I, use I that. I'm gonna use that as a receipt. Now you can't yeah. cut it. <laughs> have, a, have somebody online. I cut agree that with excerpt. you, sir. <laughs> but I I do agree. I, look, it's tough. If you're gonna have the movie poster featuring all the ensemble, you're either gonna be parroting Star Wars, or you're gonna be parroting Avengers, which parrots Star Wars. Right. Let's, there's just only those two things. Yeah. No, I agree. All right. Well, let's get to some actual Oscar race checkpointing for once on the Oscar sure. race checkpoint because we have a lot of acting Oscar news and some catch up because studios are now posturing their lead and supporting actors, Michael. We have Michelle Williams, who was notably pushed into the lead category. It is now. Uh, worth mentioning that she is receiving the Gotham Awards Performer Tribute that has been a sign of uh, of past successes and future Oscar successes. Mm-hmm. So Michelle Williams is getting that. And then we have big news from She Said. Carrie Mulligan is going supporting in a wide-open category at the moment. And Zoe Kazan is going lead from She Said. Uh, we have Rooney Mara going lead from winning Women Talking, which means... Claire Foy and the rest of the cast going towards supporting. We have Timothy Chalamet and Taylor Russell just leaving the field open for Mark <laughs> Rylance and Michael Stuhlbarg. Skeeter Skubarg. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to correct that. That was a great trailer, too, by the way. Bones great trailer. And all trailer that came out this Fun week. movie. Did I tell you about a little man? A little man and a bunch of your stunt doubles in the theater. Did I tell you about that? I don't understand how you can sit through that movie and enjoy it, but be so trepidatious about something like Speak No Evil. I'm going to watch this movie now. You're forcing me to watch this, <laughs> and I'm going to just text you the whole time, and we'll see how it goes. Good, good. <laughs> I'm going to do what you do to me sometimes. <laughs> this movie's not great already. It's 10 minutes in. Fuck you. Uh, you're gonna, yeah. yeah, it's a slow burn, man. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Timothy Chalamet, Taylor Russell are going lead. Uh, Mark Rylance and Michael Stuhlbarg will now be nominated in supporting. And then we have Colin Farrell, we'll, catching up on this story. He's going lead. Brendan Gleeson from the Banshees of Sharon is now going supporting. And, and, and well, for people. the matter, I'm hearing uh, Barry Keegan is also a play there as well, supporting. I've seen a lot of people <laughs> say that Farrell could challenge and throw his name into the hat with the Austin Butlers and the... Uh, I think uh, Farrell's uh, in Brandon there. Brandon Frazier's, yeah. And I, I wonder I wonder if he's more of an Academy pick at the end of the day. I don't know. Than, uh, than you have, you have, Banshees of Indesharan is not something you've seen on your uh, film festival work, right? Not yet. I'm, I'm, yeah. I was going to... I was going to venture out this weekend, but I just can't do it because no. it's it's playing in New York, but I, I just can't do it. Anyway, that is the catch up on the acting awards news. We have some release date adjustments, and I wonder what this means. Babylon had an opening that was set to go wide January 6th, and Babylon was going to platform starting Christmas Day, and now it is going to go wide on Christmas 
What does this signify to you, Michael? Do they? Do you think they know this is a hit and this is a Christmas Day hit? Christmas Day is always a dodgy release date to me, especially with something that's an Oscars play, at least historically. And we've, I think, a couple times run down the history of that happening. But there's no reason to think that this movie isn't going to be a major Oscars player. Everyone's expecting it to be a major Oscars player. So, yeah, in my estimation, I would think the studio presumes they have the goods. Maybe this is more of a family movie than we were being <laughs> no. led for it to be, but I can't imagine that's the case with this trailer. Probably not. But adults skewing properties during this break can still do well, but they do well over a three-week span. So maybe they're trying to milk every day they can with a wide release, as long as the theaters are willing to, to give them that wide release. Sure. Uh, I guess that's... That's something that's possible. I keep thinking back to 1917, how that was released wide in the new year, and that did well for itself. So, I, again, I, I think playing Christmas is, is kind of a 50-50 proposition. I don't think it's the slam dunk that studios envision it to be, but I have no reason to doubt that this property specifically won't do well. What did we see last Christmas? Wasn't it the Paul Thomas Anderson movie about the 31-year-old woman who loved the 16-year-old man? What was that called? <laughs> I had a funny title licorice, that I wanted. I wanted to eat the pizza. title. Yeah, I wanted to eat the title until I it, it, was it, that Christmas. I thought that was that was uh, Thanksgiving. But but that might, might have right. platformed. That might have gone limited at Christmas. I don't remember. <laughs> you might be right. I don't remember off the top of my head. Anyway, thirty-one year old woman likes a sixteen-year-old man. Oh Christ, on a cracker. <laughs> but anyway, he's really twenty-two. But all right, the sun. <laughs> The Sun has pushed back its limited release to start November 25th. And that's what's happening to a lot of these films. Or no, you either... were right. December 25th, Mike, for that one. Good job. Good recall. Okay, I thought so. The Sun, which did not do well at the film festivals, is now trying to expand its ramp up from Sony Pictures Classics. So they're smart. If this movie can actually build up some buzz again, maybe for a wide open lead actor category and Hugh Jackman, The Sun can make some noise. Uh, you know, starting uh, starting limited on Thanksgiving around then, and then anyway. Uh, uh, have, critics critics have killed my desire to see that movie. Yeah, uh, Tar moved up its wide release, and it's now going to be released wide on October twenty eighth. So that's a sign that's of smart. the market is ready for yeah, Tar. I think it wants to beat out the uh, you know the Wakanda Forever's, the blockbuster Avatar two, that kind of holiday push. And speaking of holiday pushes, typically Tom Hanks is the king of the holiday box office for all our parents. A Man Called Otto, which we're going to review the trailer of in a few minutes, will now platform starting December 14th. I have so many issues with that trailer. <laughs> it's going to go wide on Christmas from Sony. I guess it's not a surprise considering my tone throughout the entirety of this episode, but I was not a fan of that trailer. When We'll talk about it. Well, you know what? Let's talk about it now. I'll move okay. the. Uh, I'll move the. Does F anyone buy Tom Hanks as a curmudgeonly old man? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, He's Walter Matthau for this generation. No, I would have said absolutely not until his role of Geppetto, <laughs> and yeah. then followed but by. There's a difference between curmudgeonly and psychotic on LSD. <laughs> True, but Job of the Hanks was also a was quite the turn. But this is Tom Hanks playing a much less wealthy Ebenezer Scrooge while the Cratchit family <laughs> moves in next door to wear him down and warm his heart. Plus, yeah. there's also a cat. Uh, right. Sure. A Great. man called Otto. Listen, I read the uh, the audiobook A Man Called Uwe mm -hmm. by Hannes Holm, uh, one of my weirder selections online and audible there. But I, I read the book and I enjoyed the book fine. It's going to be Tom Hanks, Rita, Rita Wilson. Uh, Marie, Mariana Trevino, Rachel Rye Keller, Manuel Maria Rolfo, Cameron Britton, and Mike Birbiglia for some reason, but a charming cast, <laughs> and it seems like we can go on this journey with Mr. Hanks being the curmudgeon, and then we all love him again. But he's Tom Hanks. <laughs> he's not even him. wearing a prosthetic. This is where he should have worn all the prosthetics from the Elvis movie. L <laughs> let me lose him a little bit. I don't buy Tom Hanks as like the angry, and of course he's going to be a good guy at the end. And Tom Hanks' history, this is another thing we've done gone down the rabbit hole of. Tom Hanks' history of quarter four films that are supposedly Oscar plays is not littered with successes as far as awards, nominations, and wins. Not not recently. I mean, the 90s would beg to differ, but not recently. Sure. You're right. 90s were also almost 30 years ago at this point. My God. 
Oh my God! Yeah, don't <laughs> never say that again. Michael Creed. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's reason for Tom Hanks to be a curmudgeon. <laughs> Creed three introduced the trailer, and we have quite the hook about Jonathan Majors's character, who's going to fight Michael B. Jordan in the movie, who has He's, done all the steroids. They're both just just ripped. massive human beings. Ripped. Absolutely massive. Jonathan Majors is going to destroy the MCU <laughs> and. Gonna rip it apart with his bare hands. Adonis Creed is in trouble. <laughs> I'm quoting and plagiarizing a lot of tweets when I say that. But yeah, I mean, this is a good story. Hook, a long lost friend who just got out of prison, uh, who's one of the best boxing talents in the world, supposedly, is out for revenge. And it's, I believe it, when it's a, this dude built, beefed up like this. Yeah. I was thinking if this is gonna be. The one-to-one from Rocky Three, and if I can draw any similarities to Mr. T from uh, to Jonathan Major's character here, but this seems so much more grounded than what Rocky Three offered us. <laughs> I I like the idea of them moving it. They moved it off its November original November release date, putting it in March. More of a dead zone, more time for it to suck up the box office. It as well does not have to compete with other box offices that are supposed to be huge, such as Avatar true, and true. Wakanda Forever before it. Um, I like that idea, and yeah, I, I wasn't. That intrigued by Creed Two, I'll be. I don't even think I actually ever saw Creed Two. The marketing didn't drag me in. You didn't watch the Drago versus Creed. Drago, Drago was Rocky's. Why do I care that Creed's kid is going to fight was Drago's kid? Drago's kid. I understand that, but that's there's no rivalry there. It's all made up. He killed his father. It's all Hollywood bullshit, Mike. <laughs> You're it's right. based did, on a I true did, story. I did about forget that. about that. <laughs> that Drago killed Apollo. That's on me. How uh, I dare you? I How was, dare I'm you? I'm not. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll die on this hill. Anyway, good trailer for Creed, Creed 3. Uh, let me make the case really quick, unfortunately, against a movie that is uh, now streaming on Apple TV+. Plus. But it was solid. It's not going to win any Oscars. But Raymond and Ray, I mean, it's not... Let's put it this way. It's not August Osage County or Death at a Funeral or The Big Chill, mm-hmm. but Raymond and Ray is on the level of a This Is Where I Leave You. It's, okay. you know, remember with Jason Bateman? It's yeah, a solid, I like that. you know, funeral story, road like road trip into the funeral story about two very handsome brothers and all the hijinks they get into and certainly all the drama. Is there a bar fight? Uh, there's not a bar fight, but there is a fight and it might be near a casket. Okay. All right. So it's, you know, it's just like fam. What did I see? I somehow moved this in the dock up above the super Mario brothers yeah. trailer. Well, well anyway, a, we'll go the rightful place at this point. Fuck it. Right. I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to say that for a lot of formatting. We're on the way out here. On a day like this, but all right. So what? I'm sorry. What? That was the shortest make the case segment ever. I make the case against Raymond and Ray, but I forgot one trailer, and we wanted to play catch up on this because the Super Mario Brothers trailer is great. Can we just say this? This is a great trailer, the greatest. <laughs> it's a colorful and well animated trailer. <laughs> the King of the Koopas stuff had me dying laughing. Yes, I like that. I like all that stuff. You know what I didn't like, Mike? Mario's voice. <laughs> Fine, but when those penguins come out and they're just like with the just all the confidence in the world, Braveheart, night circa nineteen forty four, nineteen ninety four, and the charge. Yeah. And, they throw snowballs to no effect <laughs> at Kid Koopa, who then, in like the most realistic fire-breathing dragon visual effects, destroys their castle. Yes. I, I was I was laughing very hard, so I give them credit for that. And I ignored the <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous Chris Pratt's Italian voice. Why... <laughs> Why give him this role? Because he found out he's six and a half percent Italian on Twenty Three and Me. Is that what happened? <laughs> I would rather I would rather Jack Black play Mario. But if you have an army of turtles, <laughs> you yeah. have a dragon king, mm-hmm. yep, who's after stars, mm-hmm. then why would a Italian plumber? 
who lives in a mushroom land yeah. be the only way to stop them. But And there's also a princess, and then he's got to save the princess. What doobie-toking weirdo came yeah. up with this money machine? I want to meet them. If the sun had this premise, <laughs> I would be wildly more interested in seeing it. <laughs> anyway, folks, that's our show today. <laughs> Do we even want to talk about Sachi Littlefeather? We got to mention it. Yeah, it broke right before we're a couple hours before. What the hell? Yeah. I've not read this article yet. You have. Go go for it. They're calling it an ethnic fraud, quote unquote ethnic fraud. But basically the same publication, the San Francisco Chronicle that broke the Zodiac killings (laughs) have now outed Sachi Littlefeather as someone who was not Native American. Alongside her sisters, right? That's, that's her sisters. I read the first couple of paragraphs of it. Her sisters uh, helped in constructing this story, and they were interviewed as part of the story, and they denounce her as having any uh, Native American blood in her. They say can, they're Mexican. Can you even blame the Academy in this instance? Like, But they can't catch a break, no, can they, can Mike? I, no. If, every, if this is true, everyone is awful. <laughs> I don't know how, how else to view this. I mean, I don't know how you can go through if this is true presenting yourself as a race and a nationality you aren't if she knowingly did that maybe she didn't maybe she was told something by a family member it's no i can't put any blame at the academy the academy tried to write a wrong that they did yeah and i think they should they deserve credit for that however Um, however they did have 50 years to vet her because of a little snafu yeah that's true (laughs) that's true that's true not apologizing sooner so but then again, have... if they if the Academy came out and said, hey, she's not even Native American, that would have made them look worse, I think. Well, they could have just not done anything. Yeah, they mm-hmm. should have just done nothing. But I, I don't I see don't what know. you get for. <laughs> don't try to be nice. Don't correct your wrongs. Never admit what your wrong. disaster. And yeah. she I, I, I was going to mention an R.I.P. Sachin Littlefeather, the last like three Oscar race checkpoints. I don't know if you saw this in the words of wisdom. But we were just on such a goofball rant. I thought it was in- very inappropriate <laughs> to just <laughs> just go into a you know an in memoriam segment after yeah. I'm talking about eating key lime pie and <laughs> nonsense. Oh, I'm glad we had a place to do it here then. <laughs> right. So now we can, yeah we made a far- it's a far but it's a farce going in. What the hell? I I I it's really truly draw- jaw dropping stuff. I mean, unbelievable. I, I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> we we are nice entire reality is shaken. Yeah. With this anyway. And I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we're talking about Brad Pitt's allegations and here they are moving Babylon up in the calendar. Obviously, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't affect people. Oh, just the audacity of these, these people. Yeah. I don't know. Well, on that note. <laughs> Guys, as always, what matters most to us uh, are your thoughts, comments, questions, and concerns. Do you have any about any of the trailers that we covered, about any of the uh, Golden Trailer Awards or the industry news or the awards news that we went through here? Are you surprised by the box offices for both Halloween Ends and or Black Adam? Have you seen either of those movies? What are your thoughts on them? Uh, As always, you can leave us those as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns on any of our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MMN. And Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. And if you happen to be listening to us on either the Apple Podcast app or the Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out a ton. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Uh, also, maybe don't judge this episode by the rest of our library. We're <laughs> usually more professional. So uh, if Slightly. you're debating giving us a five-star review, maybe wait till the next episode or go listen to the last one that Mike and Andrew did. That was really good. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, but I, uh, yeah, I apologize for this episode as well. And uh, <laughs> words of wisdom is uh, maybe uh, sorry. Don't reenact scenes from Pee Wee's Big Adventure yeah. and then expect to record a podcast with a with <laughs> with, a, with a journalistic flourish. <laughs> Wise words indeed, sir. We're idiots. Guys, when reality sucks. Oh, don't I have to tell them what's coming next? Oh, yeah, do that. Sorry. Anyway, it's quick. It's not on the game. We have an Oscars betting update with David Long. Yes. So that's fun. I mean, scheduled. Part of our summer preview series. We'll we'll make it it happen. Yeah, our, our 
75th episode in the year in preview series. Oscars betting up update with the Duke of Bettingham himself. And yes. Wait till you see some of these odds. Can't, I have not seen them yet. I can't wait. You can't resist them. <laughs> what if they hit? Uh, and then we got the scaries. So the scaries, we're going to focus on 2022 films, or did we make that decision yet? Are you going to yeah. override me? No, that seems that seems fair, especially if you're going to go through and actually watch Speak No Evil. I'm probably going to watch it now. and then. But the thing is, there's like another dozen films I want to watch from this year. And I've i like got to s- get on my horse and watch and get watching. Yeah. We just, there's not enough time to watch yeah. those. And then you wanted to do horror sequels or whatever, but like last year, I wanted to watch like a dozen cult movies. movies Shyamalan cults. trailers. <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> Maybe we'd do a tribute to Shyamalan trailers. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's see, see if I get what I could dig up. All right. That's what you got for this year's scaries. You got 2022 <laughs> movies and you got a tribute to M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> Trailers. The most intriguing trailers in the game. The, the ratio of trailer intrigue to movie payoff is really 1 to 0.001. If The Happening had the best trailer. No, I get you. I would bet you anything. Lady in the Water has like the best trailer. And that Devil. I, I think I remember being like, oh, Devil looks oh, great. Yeah. Devil did look yeah. great. Yeah. He's the best at trailers. Just the best. <laughs> And that's where the compliments stop. Guys, <laughs> when reality sucks, you can come be idiots on occasion with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.